וגם אני פתאום Welcome back to another episode of Kolo. This is your host, Rabbi Hillel Kappenstein, director of the Columbus Community Kolo, and it's a great honor and privilege to welcome all of you back to another episode featuring Rav Aaron Lapiansky, the Silver Spring Rosh Hashiva. A few months ago, I had the unique privilege to travel to Silver Spring to interview the Rosh Hashiva, and, you know, typically when you interview someone Uh, one year, you uh, you know, you don't necessarily interview them again. You always want new faces and new names, etc. But when it comes to the Silver Spring Rosh Hashiva, yes, we did an interview last year, but there's so much to talk about. We felt like it would be such a benefit to do it again this year as well. Uh, we discuss many topics, some of which are the advantages of growing up and providing a happy home, uh, change in dealing with sensitive matters of Kedusha, sports, politics, and also how to respond when tragedy occurs. So a lot of fascinating different topics we discuss. I think you'll enjoy it very much. We'd like to dedicate this episode in memory of Chaya Adina Malka, Bas Rafal Avramayor. Again, we'd like to dedicate this, Eloi Nishmasa, Chaya Adina Malka, Bas Rafal Avramayor. And to sponsor a Kolot episode, please email me, sponsorkolot at gmail.com. Again, sponsorkolot at gmail.com. This episode's sponsor is Restart. Restart is a career development platform which offers complimentary access to log in and work with live career advisors who will help find meaningful employment opportunities that match what you are looking for. To learn more, visit www.joinrestart.com. Com. Once again, www.joinrestart.com and learn about your employment opportunities today. And without any further ado, allow me to tell you about our guest. Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky is the Rosh Yeshiva of Greater Washington, Teferis Gedalia. He learned for decades at the Mir Yeshiva and follows the Mesorah of his Rebbeim, Harav Chaim Shmuel Levitz and Harav Nachum Partsavis, and his father-in-law, Harav Benish Finkel, the late Rosh Yeshiva of the Mir. His approach to learning was also deeply influenced by his long association as a close Talmud of Harav Moshe Shapiro. Rabbi Lapiansky is a renowned speaker and the author of several Hebrew svarim, as well as a few English language books. Time Pieces, Golden Apples, Seed of Redemption, and the widely acclaimed Archas Chaim Ben Torah for Life, published by Eshel Publications. And without any further ado, I'd like to thank the Rosh Hashiva. Welcome to Kolot. Thank you again. It's very nice to get together again, and uh, it's nice to have you by us. Last year, Rashiva talked about on our episode about his parents yeah. having survived the war, and the Rashiva, despite having parents that survived the war, growing up in the Rashiva's words, a happy home. Yes. And that there's nothing greater one could do to give their child a head start in life than giving them a happy home. It's true. That's true this year as was last year. That's true this year as last year. I imagine that the home the Rashiva grew up in. was not as comfortable, materialistically speaking, as the home that the Rashiva's children are growing up in. 
so where I'm going with this is today, relatively speaking, everyone's living much more comfortable lives. And the homes are maybe not as happy. The rise in marital conflict, the divorce rates, even within the Orthodox community, are, is going up. What happened? So, um, I do think having Baruch Hashem a, a lot begins to become a problem of what to do with it. Um, it begins to become a bit of a race in terms of, you know, I have to keep up. It, it's something that we struggle, um, how do we live with it? If people, if Hashem blesses a person with uh, with a, a, a fine parnasa, he doesn't have to take vows of poverty. But the question is, does the child grow up in a lifestyle feeling anything can be had? Um, the idea that there's no restraint, there is no sense of modesty, meaning this is appropriate, this is not. And even if you have the money for it, it's hard to say definitive boundaries. But a child needs to grow up that getting and buying anything that you can afford is not Torahic. Torah has boundaries. And, and having that type of thing, one, two, how much do we discuss it? In other words, if we're talking about did you see the new house that's also bought, then we're making a statement that that's important and that's the measure of a man, and then we create a problem. I also believe the substitution of things for interactions. I probably mentioned last time, uh, one of our favorite activities is my father would take us after supper, we'd hold our hands and we'd go for a walk and he would schmooze. That's, that interaction can't be bought for a million dollars. And even if you take the child to the wildest vacation in who knows where, but the sense of presence, of attention, is really m much more than anything else. And we've, we've lost that. And we think we can substitute. If, if I don't have much time for my kid, but I explained to him that on Pesach, we go to a place, you know, we, we do the Seder on top of a volcano. That's, that doesn't replace it. And uh, um, interaction, personal connection, is really, really the source of happiness. Technology probably didn't help with all that. It's true. It's true. It's the same way that, you know, I, I notice something disturbing. I mean, you know, people talk about the evils and bad of the of the technology. Well, I remember as a Bacha, it wasn't that we were masmidim 24-7 and we never did anything other than learn, but we'd sometimes sit around and schmooze one-on-one -on -one with a friend, a group of four or five. There was real human connection. I mean, today, if you have three or four people sitting around the table, each one is texting. And, and, and that's missing something. I can't imagine having gone through yeshiva and not made those personal connections. Revolva writes that the connections you make in yeshiva, the personal connections should last a lifetime. And they have, the, 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 the very close friends I had from yeshiva are the people that still to this very day, getting together with them is, is uh, renewing it all over. You know, before we move on to our next question, I will say, Tanya de Masayale, um, sometimes you'll find people say, or you'll hear, you'll hear people say, my friends from camp, 
those relationships, there's nothing like them. It so happens to be you don't bring your phones to camp. Yes. There's not a lot of things that you can do other than playing with each other, learning with each other. So Correct. it seems like uh, we still have a little bit of that left yes, in today's yes. society. Thank God. And thank God that, the, that, that it's an island. And I think the boys and girls appreciate it. When they come out of a camp, they say, wow, it was real life. Mm -hmm. Our next question comes courtesy of Revis Talmud. Shimon Deitch. Okay. Um, all of us are Revis Talmud, but Talmud from Silver Spring. Um, uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm, I've been very close with the, his father, was somebody I learned with when he was in the mirror. We'd learn once a week. He's younger than me, his father, and we were very, very close. So it's a, it's a, it's a long, it's a long-term, long-standing uh, relationship. Yes. Uh, so Shimon submitted the following question. He has an impression that in the Litvisha world, um, the approach to an Isayan, the approach to a test, specifically with Kedusha, with uh, holiness, is that we don't necessarily talk too much about it. We don't focus on it so much and try to make it into a bigger issue than it is. Not that we accept, but you know, we don't have so much of a focus. Recently, there are a few programs that are uh, specific to Shmira Sinai and watching uh, what one sees with their eyes that have the backing of G'daylem, it has rabbinic backing. Has there been a shift at all in how we deal with this issue? Um, you know, there, there, there are no, um, what we would call it, rabbinic conventions where we get together <laughs> and make these decisions. You go to conventions close. <laughs> Everybody walks away with a different decision from the convention, so that's fine. Right. Um, but but it, is, it is something where we need to get a sense of why the winds are shifting. Um, and yes... There is something about that. So I would suggest the following. Once upon a time, yeshiva experience was total immersion. Um, you came to yeshiva, you were cut off from everything else. You were really expected to push hard. It was very competitive and internally competitive. In other words, people wanted after each other. If somebody got onto the road, the wave, we say, you know what, with enough hard work, you're going to um, overcome, you, you get into the learning, work hard, um, kill yourself in the learning, and everything else will, will fade away. I'm not sure that that's the case anymore, that the level of total immersion, that internal competitiveness, all of that, I think, um, is weakened. So yes, there are, of course, a few places like that, a handful of places. Most places, people are much more relaxed, much more chilled out. And then you need to worry about the Itzahara. The, the idea that, you know, if you're learning a few hours comfortably is, is still not going to, pre, you know, stop that. And um, that's one thing. A second thing I've, I think possibly is there's a realization that a lot of people are leaving Yeshiva at some point, and the Itzahara is much more powerful outside than it was. Um, when I was when I was growing up, there were social norms that at least created red lines. It wasn't so blatant. Today, it doesn't exist. And I guess there's a feeling that we have to start reinforcing at a younger age. That might be another reason why. Mm -hmm. That actually takes me to a new, um, what we say, me Indian, the Indian, Baisa Indian, within yeah. this topic of, um, of Kedusha, of holiness, and, and you know, within technology, there seems to have been two approach, approaches that have made its way um, in parenting world. 
And by the way, this is probably the biggest parenting issue of our generation. My oldest is six. Uh, he's starting to get there. We're trying to slow down that process, but it's inevitable. Right. Um, there's the avoid, avoid, avoid. And then there's the slow exposure holding their hand. Can they both be right? <laughs> so I, I think there are inherently different attitudes. How much do we um, expose? How much do we shelter? For instance, in the very big, in the, in the, in the macro picture, the Hasidic movements, the types like, especially the Hungarian, there was, they, they do not want you to speak English like Native American. They don't want you to go up with any of the trapped in the culture. They, they feel the right thing is to feel a stranger. And therefore you don't identify anything as, as zero exposure. You build up a world that is sort of idealistic to almost being a fable in the sense of like, you know, uh, you, you, you talk about a, a, a world which is just about doesn't exist. And then the hope is that when it's time to move on, you tell them Rabosai, you're now going to a terrible place. And you always keep, like, it, it'll mean that you'll keep a big distance because you can't identify with it in any way, shape, or form. That was an approach. And like all approaches, it had many remarkable successes, and then it had less than successes. Um, it also creates the problems that if you can't integrate with, with the world around you at all, you're stuck with very few professions, it, it, it creates its issues, and, and like every derech, it has its positive and has its negative. Uh, the flip side was what you would call, I don't know, we'll just label it moderate yeshivish, which meant um, keep mostly uh, a different world, but be open and children should understand a, a world around and so on. Very, very hard to, to give definitive advice. Um, you, you, you have to, you start with the understanding that you're not exposing the child. And then you have to ask yourself, is the child old enough to understand? Is the child need to understand this? Um, is this going to be a real issue? For instance, let's take something. A, a boy grows up in Lakewood and he's going to go to yeshivas there. If he does something, he goes into some business of some sort, then is evolution ever going to be an issue? Um, unless he deals in dinosaur parts it's it's not going to be a real issue so the question could be asked very fairly what's the point of going through teaching about evolution and why we don't believe in evolution or whatever it is it, it's not it's not that will affect it um it used to be thought that many things concerning um family jewish family need not to be taught because it's outliers and and and, and fringe and so on it's not. And I do believe that preempting it by teaching the way we understand things at a, at a time when it's age appropriate will be necessary um, because we can't depend on non-exposure. So it's, it's always a question of asking ourselves what is it exactly that we can, that we can reasonably say the child will face and preempted by explaining to him how we see it and um, and and why the world 
is is seeing it differently. Moving again, the Indian Indian bison, and we're going to do a lot of those to this uh, yes. episode. Uh, another topic related is the Super Bowl halftime. We yeah. saw that there were multiple options um, from the from world to live stream different content um, during the Super Bowl halftime, which is usually not something appropriate for any uh, God-fearing Jew to get busy with. Right. Um, and then there were different options, whether it was a Torah class, a lecture, or um, Jewish music, or entertainment. Um, it's hard to know where to begin with this loaded topic, but is that a way to fight the Tumah, though? Is that a way to fight the impurities, to fight it with something kosher, with Kedusha, with, um, with something more pure? Well, the, the, um, the Rambam says that when he speaks at the end of Hochsi Suribia, he speaks about Kedusha, and he speaks about different important halachas, yichud, and things like that. And the last halach he says, but the most, the most important protection is filling your mind with Torah, because um, impure thoughts are only to be found in an empty mind. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one would assume the equivalent to that is, okay, so we'll, rem- we'll put something in in halftime that's different. Mm-hmm. That's Torah. I have some pers- so so definitely if 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 people are going to sit and watch it, giving a kosher option is definitely um, appropriate. I have a few, um, I guess, thoughts. First of all, do I want a Torah class instead of that? I, I, I for something about it, it's it's. Um, you know, there's nothing about it. it's okay. W- would you like to watch this or Torah? The, putting Torah even in the same box, I would think um, pleasant, neutral content, ugh, mundane. It's just less jarring to me. The idea that, that I'm substituting uh, 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 this, this, or that with the Torah, S- something about it is not covered at Torah. That's that's the on me. the same table having that. Yes, it's, it's the same thing. Would you like would you like pornography or would you like uh, something about it? I, I'd rather like find a book that's that's the not covered. That's one. I I have also a thought that maybe this uh, I I know if it, we can voice this publicly. It's, uh, it's I guess it's just a few people listening to this. The podcast. name of the podcast is Kolos. Kolos. Right. So uh, <laughs> I have some thoughts about Super Bowl. Um, sports. Now, one, engaging person in sports is tremendously important. Physical activity is an absolute necessity and running, walking, playing, those are very positive activities in every across the board and that's great. Um, organizing sports locally you know, your yeshiva, the ninth grade against the 10th grade, the, the this, that, the other one, it makes exercise more enjoyable. It's very hard to, sit and to lift weights all day without anything else. Mm-hmm. So that's positive. Going to a game occasionally because it helps you chill out, relaxing, that's also a positive value. People go to the beach, people go to, to the it's a place, so it takes your mind off the really important things like Colo podcast, colo <laughs> things of that nature, and you kind of uh, you know chill out, and that's okay. But we become emotionally involved in something that really is meaningless. 
Let's understand Avodah Zarah and how it came about. So people talk about Avodah Zarah in terms of believing whether it's the wind god, the rain god. There's another angle, like by the Cheta Eagle. It's people enjoy emotional intensity. So, wow, did you go to that rain god dance? That was like an otherworldly experience. I mean, they danced and jumped and screamed and yelled and, and, and rolled their eyes and, and smoked and or whatever. And it's, it's people need and love intense emotional experiences. For instance, you'll ask yourself, I don't know if they, again, I still have, I was going off, they had horror movies. Horror movies was a whole genre of movies. So you go, you pay money, and you sit for two hours, and, and where, where you're holding yourself by your seat, and if it's and if it's your sister, she's holding on to their life to the to the thing that the mother shouldn't come and, and, and grab her. Why? Why would you pay money for it? <laughs> the answer is because it's an intense emotional experience. Sitting in school day in day out, we don't have that. There are no monsters roaming around. There's no that. So sports has created a, uh, a a way to drum up intense emotional feelings. The team is going to make it. They've struggled so hard. We invest so much in it. The good side is, somebody once said, why are there no pogroms in America? And the answer is because we have professional sports, so you're able to let out all the juices. Right. But, but, but so is it appropriate for me, as a, as a person who believes in Emmis, that there's a real world and real things, to, to feel emotionally turned on by something that really is meaningless. There was a once a boy in a school by us, young boy, and he asked, he asked me, is it appropriate to make him a shabayach or to dab, to dab him, to dab him for my team to win? <clears throat> so I told him, Yosef, I am so happy to hear that question because it means that all sick people have been healed, all poor people <laughs> have what to eat, all single people have found the zivuk, and now we're up to the sports team winning. I mean, where the, why, why is that important? Why, so, so to me, you know, so yes, it, 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 the, 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 I guess the, the, the butters of all the things, of all the shtusim, it's the least not kosher, even though, you know, the halftime stuff, but okay. I get it, but I still feel very strongly, I mean, occasionally the people, this one made a kiddish because his team won. Why? Why is it worth it? You go there, you enjoy them, and you should forget. So, so you know, it's like, a, 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 it's like the organized sports in yeshiva. You play the game hard, you win, it's great. You lose, it's okay, and that's the end of it. And that's it. You forgot about it. You have a life. Yeah, you have a life, <laughs> a real life, not a make-believe life. Yeah. There was actually in Lakewood when the um, it wasn't Lakewood. Sorry, it wasn't Lakewood. It could be as Lakewood. I, I'm not sure if it was Lakewood or Bismarckian. Lakewood, I think. Um, Babe Ruth, I think, passed away in the early years when Lakewood started. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not familiar what you, what you had. I don't know when you, you marked the yard site, but whenever it was, <laughs> they, he passed away. And, and Reb Nassim saw that the Bachrim were like talking about it. It was, it was a topic. Say. So, so he, about Shmuel, he got to the say, I can't let such an event pass by without saying a few words of hespit on this great person. Some, some, some uh, uh, eulogy. He said, Rabbi, do you know what we lost? 
somebody who could take a big wooden stick and bang a ball further than animals can. How is the world going to go on without a person that can take a big stick and bang a ball further than animals can? And that was the, the, the tone mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. He was trying to impress them. At the end of the day, what is it? You know, and, and so that, that's my personal feelings about it. I, I guess a, a question is, um, can there be different levels? In other words, we can all agree um, exercise is crucial um, yes. for physical health, mental health, and one will learn better if, they're, if they take care of themselves. Yes. They, they say that the first line of defense is diet, sleep, exercise. You know? 100%. I'm on with you. 100%. Um, playing sports. You don't have to play football or baseball or basketball. You could just go on a run. But sometimes this helps make it more yes. enjoyable. Yes. And then there's the next level about following teams and having players and, you know, following them in a more intense way and maybe even betting on them and things like that. In, have we already crossed the line once you even entertained the idea of following? Or could there be, yeah, it's a, it's a little thing so, that I enjoy you here. Know, well, let me preface, I'm not talking about one of the three big affairs. I'm not talking about affair per se. But, but if we ask ourselves to, to examine it. So if it's a pleasant, like I said before, chilling out is also something people are tense. So if it's the level of where from time to time it's a relaxation for you, but when it becomes an involvement and you have to see what team is, is winning and you're upset that the, the guy lost, if there's an emotion, in, if there are emotions involved, that's where it's beginning to cross over, mm -hmm. in, in you know where where it's sabotaging. It's it's what's right for it fit. It sort of is um, creeping up in a place it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's related to pol uh, sports is politics. Yeah. Uh, don't worry, this won't go too bad. It won't go too far. <laughs> Listen, but I sports like politics. What, 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 <laughs> what else is there, right? Right. Um, uh, now that we're past the midterms, candidates are starting to um, announce their candidacy. We just saw uh, the former president, and then someone else is going to be challenging the, the president, and we're not going to get into who's a good pal candidate, who's not a good candidate. Number one, I work for a 501c3. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good idea. Right? We can't talk about it. But what we could talk about is time involvement. Um, how much time should we be uh, focusing on people in politics world i mean obviously there's you know current events but then also the individuals who are not yet in you know making the decision of world events but could be How, you know what's the relationship that we should have with politics and news in general you're talking about communal leaders or people individuals leading, not people that work for an advocacy group. right um so again i'm there are many different approaches to this but Part of understanding the world you live in, which is sort of the way I was brought up, that having an understanding of what makes the world happening is, is an important piece of, you know, of, of, of uh, functioning in society. Understanding the parties. But the problem is that if you ask people about candidates, um, a policy platform, you get a soundbite. I, I would I would challenge people to read something a little longer and, and ask themselves what are this person's policies um, how would they approach the, the you know it was, it, not a slogan but understanding and this is what we're supposed to be teaching our kids in school understand different approaches um, do we do we focus on spending 
and say, well, let, you know, let the economy catch up, but there are things to be done now? Do we focus on, you know, carefully husbanding our resources and not spending? Understanding the approaches of different people, having some sense, and, but instead of just being caught up with people and names and, you know, and this guy is great, and this guy is terrible. I, 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 would, like, I would think that somebody who, who learns and, and has, has learned to look at things logically and calmly should be able to think differently about these things. You know, it, it, it's uh, someone for the last called me and I said, I don't want to talk about it. And he said, well, this person's policies. I said, so explain to me the policies, just the policies. Don't say it's good for you or bad for you. Explain to me, what are the policies? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I struggle because I can't find it any place today anymore. It's, it's, I, can get, I can get great sound bites. I can get beautiful pictures. You can, you, I can get, uh, it's, 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 but I, I can't get a logical, you know, column written out. This is my approach. And these are the things that I, that, that I prioritize. These are things I think like this, like that. You know, we get a lot of wonderful slogans, and that's about it. Right, right. Identity politics is like the name of the game. Yes, yes. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, and and um, we, we, when when I was when I was in, in, in when I came to this from the beginning, it was uh, market. Everything was still kind of crude, and the, the, this was very past, I think. But but before that, there would be an advertisement, the newspaper for. Uh, a certain brand of cooking oil, and the advertisement went: "So and so is the is the is the best soccer player in the country. This oil is the best oil on the on the market. Like zero. And I guess of like you know, at least in America, you have this great soccer player recommends this oil. So so we're somehow drawing a, a sort of an inference mm -hmm. that we want to be." But over there it was like so and so is this, therefore this. It was, it was kind of crude. I don't know what it was, but uh, we, we get a lot of that type of, you know, slogans. And he's a great person. He's a terrible person. I, I just, I'd love to hear sometimes. Like, give me some idea of what the program is. So, does the person or the personality or the uh, behaviors of the person go into them representing policies? So, if a person is really a negative person, in other words, a person, let's take an example. If a person is a pathological liar, uh, so then there's nothing in the world you can, whatever he promised you, even if you work out a deal, let's say you paid somebody to, to, to do something, but if, he, if, if he's not going to live up to it, then, so, so somebody is either that or they represent they embody and represent something that you're very against. So let's say, I don't know, let's pick something neutral. Somebody is, is pro shooting up with drugs and he does it. He's a, he's a, he's a, you know. So you'd say to yourself, this person is, is creating an image that will affect many people. So then it's, but if, if, his, if his own life is not what you would, as a Torah Jew, want to be, to, to be led, so what? Um, it that's all. That's all of them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There, there are very few tzaddikim in stone. There, you know. They, they, <laughs> so, so, so you're looking to see somebody who's, who you can work with, whose policies, and doesn't, you know, does not represent, a, 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 you know, in essence, somebody off. Mm -hmm. Moving along, I'd like to talk about moving out of town. 
but it's becoming harder and harder to get people to move out of town. You know, not just in Columbus, Ohio, but I'm sure all the out-of-town communities would wish that more people um, would be able to join their community and help them build a makam tire right. in their place as well. Um, there's does at the same time, while it's harder to find people, and by the way, this is whether uh, to move, to even be a balabas, or to be a younger man in a kailo, or a rebbe in the school, uh, it seems harder and harder. At the same time, it also seems like there's some, um, I don't want to say Yitzhahara, but there seems to be some energy and focus and attention to making a lot of money. And don't worry, I'm also Kvei Itim. Um, do the two have what to do with each other? And should Rebbeim and Yeshivas and Rosh Yeshivas be encouraging Bachram to look beyond the big cities that have Yeshivas and plenty of Bnei Torah? So, it's a complex issue. I obviously live, it depends by what standards, for, uh, compared to Columbus, we're like a major Jewish metropolis, compared to New York or even Baltimore, we're kind of the small town. Um, I've been here, Baruch Hashem, 27 years, and uh, I, I think it's the most wonderful place, Baruch Hashem. And I've grown to admire a lot of the out-of-town communities, both quality people there and quality of life. Now, there, so in the big picture, there are a few issues. One is, it is important to have a strong center. So that, that a, a yeshiva like Lakewood should be so, so well-developed and so robust, and you need people for that. So yes, that is important to have a strong center. It is also challenging, this, this is a continuum, of going from, um, you know, what are the chinuch opportunities for your kids? How much of a challenge is it? Those are real. Those are real issues. Um, the fact that people do want to be with families. This is all we have, basically. So, so those are all um, real reasons why it's a struggle. It's not so simple. What I would think, and I, I think it might be, it's something that. So to tell people you need to move out um, and it's great and so on, it's hard. But I would suggest the following. If it becomes an ideal to live three years in our town community, mm -hmm. if, if, if let's say a community like Columbus, so we're already bigger and and we have our, you know, we have Yeshiva Kohl with, with the families, and, and that's great, but if let's say Columbus, if there would be 25 young families moving in, and even if they would switch every three years, but it would just keep a vibrant presence. 25 um, cold or cold type families is something, and it's much easier. So it's not as if a person has to make a decision. Will I need to fly in to see my parents and in-laws or not? Um, I dechinuch for my kids as they get older, so I have a grace period until my kids are six, seven. Dechinuch is not an issue at all. Being in a place like this strengthens me. It, it, it. You know what I find about it. The beautiful things about out of town uh, life is a, like you said before, there's a modesty. Um, it's not. You know, people live modestly and positively. There is uh, a certain. It's psychological that when you have a large group of people, you learn to sort of look inwards. So when you're walking the street 
on a Shabbos morning and you're going to meet, let's say, maximum 25 people, you'll say good Shabbos to everyone. When you meet 200, you're going to withdraw. And this is a common known mm -hmm. psychology of, of non-Jews. Um, so kids learn how to be friendly, nice, open. There's a lot. Also, when you're in a small town, you, you have a responsibility. If you're a younger man, and that brings out a lot in people. And it also, it's like, you know, there was this, this thing about being in the Peace Corps for a year or two, the thing about doing army duty for a year or two. The fact that a person did service for Klai Yisrael, mm. um, so encouraging that type of, n not, well, if I'm going to Columbus, they're really going to look askance at me if I move out. And, and, mm -hmm. and I have to make a decision now. But, but being there for, you know, for, for, the, for, for a few years, if a person loves it and decides to stay, that's amazing. But, but I, I think that there would be a win-win situation. I think communities have become very machuzik. People would grow a lot because when you're the mashpia, you, you, it changes a lot. Mm -hmm. the, the, um, the, the sort of low-key lifestyle that's the norm in our towns, they will have a positive effect on people. They'll see, you know what? It, it, you, 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 you can live like this without any problems, and it's pleasant, and it's positive. Mm -hmm. so, so I think something along the lines of a movement where people would go for a few years, um, I think that that might be able to get traction. But, no, and I, I can definitely appreciate that. Uh, you know, even for myself, I've realized that um, I probably have to parent more out of town than I probably would if I was living, you know, I came from Lakewood, but I would ha probably have to quote unquote parent less, which is really never the case. But which is never the case. And, and then, and then you, you know what, no matter how firm and wonderful the community is, a parent should be a parent. Mm -hmm. And the kid will not pick up the best from the rounding. So, so being a parent is a, is a very harsh thing. I guess the more specific question is, should it be coming more from the leadership, the Rebbeim, the Rashios? And in contrast, if you look at the Chabad world, it comes so strong from the, uh, from the you know, leading Chabad Mashbim. It's like understood that, of course, we may not do it for life, but of course, we won't shlichos. So yeah, we're going to try it out. You know, but, but it was embedded in them from their earlier years. So, so there's, a, there, there's one kalal in terms of, of, of um, what's the right word for it, movements, directions. You can only stress one thing. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. our world, we've stressed sitting and learning, and that's why sitting and learning is is the thing. Um, Hasidisha, let's say, I'm going to pick a random, may have stressed davening. So in Litvish yeshivas, shachris for yeshiva bacha, it's understood that he's going to m miss it because he was learning late. It's this, that, as as important as it is, but we we want to stress the sitting and learning. In a Hasidisha yeshiva bacha, missing shachris. Is a nice farf. Mm -hmm. What's your learning worth? They miss So they put a lot of emphasis on the learning. Chabad puts a lot of emphasis, obviously, on shlichus. Shlichus is a high point. So yeah, obviously, they, 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 they developed their credible system of shlichus, but it, it, the learning is not, they don't have those centers of learning that, that, are, that are parallel. Mm -hmm. uh, a shiva like Chavetz Chaim has made it to go out and to, and, and to be rebellious in different places. But they, they actually, they, they, as best of my knowledge, it's taken a while to latch on to the idea of colon, of out-of-town colon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, those are things that uh, you can only do one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore, unless this becomes the cause, uh, 
it's it's going to you know the kolkoras are nice but they don't get it done right absolutely now now talking about out of town communities that would follow the topic of kirov rechaikim uh, of outreach um, I do a little bit of that myself in my uh, in my uh, in my job. Um, the world of outreach is changing rapidly. It's 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 nothing. Even in the last few years um, that I've been doing it, from the time that I start till now, it's it's changed. Right. And especially if you go back to the Chuva movement, it's changed drastically. And just to put this question into perspective that I'm about to ask, I was listening to a lecture on Torah anytime. Very reputable. Uh, speaker um, who was talking about community de uh, professional development and fundraising, etc. And it, you know, I don't want to say the name of the person, even though it's online, because it's right. going to be a distraction. Right. But the person made a prediction that Kirov in ten years will be dead. Um, and I don't want to say that, but I could kind of understand where that's coming from because of this trend. Um, how do we? Hey, how do we understand it? What should we be doing about it? And you know. I guess on a more uh, on, a, on a broader level, um, is this something that should be taken up by individuals, organizations, or gedolim? So, I'm again wary very much of saying it should be taken up by because there is no real organization that sits and makes these are these are. Tshuva movement came from individuals, whether it was Reb Noach, whether it was Reb Noach, you know, so it came from great individuals, Rosenberg, um, and I think it'll always be that way. Uh, so, like, you know, Chabad has a movement, but but in our world, it's come from the Yechidim. Um, the 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 fact that it's that it's changed. I, we, I I was involved in a in a publication called Cloud Perspectives, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we we used to um, it was like a, a journal that came out every three months. And it used to have a um, it used to have a, a topic each time, and we solicited articles that we felt you know to, to address the topic. And one was about the care movement. We had probably fourteen, fifteen articles, ranging from this is absolutely the best and necessary to it's a waste of money and we should investigate in-house for, for, for kids struggling mm -hmm. to we need different approaches and so on. I do believe, you know, it says Yitzhak Shal Adam is Mishadish, Mishkabe, Mishadish Kol Yom. The Yitzhara changes. The Yitzhara of the 60s is not the 70s, the 70s is not the 80s, the 80s is not the 100s, and, and, and you know, it's, it, every, it's different. We, we do need to keep asking ourselves what is effective now and what's going to be effective and what's going to be newly effective. I do believe the old, old time model of drawing people from the surroundings in is back in. I don't think personally, it, it used, in the haters of the 70s, people were leaving college in the middle to backpack around the world to find themselves. They were mentally, economically, emotionally ready for it. To be picked up at the wall and be told if you if one is something really exotic, come here, Reb Noach. Things changed, and we have to ask ourselves, where are people drawn in? I I believe again what, what I see around. That's not a not a scientific study. That um, the type of kiruv of um, people who are post college, pre marriage, which is a long time these days, and they're living in the city and they're already settled, they're working. They begin to think about life. 
the mm -hmm. most serious. Mm -hmm. And that's that's there. There is somebody here. Rabbi Teitelbaum has an amazing mm -hmm. organization. Mm -hmm. Sure, the DC, we're incredible, and that's the age group that works the best. You're not. They're now alone. They're working. They're asking themselves, "What's the point of it? Where do I belong? Will mm -hmm. I find a community?" And our community has absorbed quite a few of his Talmudim and amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yes, we need to keep asking ourselves what works, and and not get stuck on what worked, but ask ourselves, reevaluate. There'll always be something that'll work. is is something Kashbaru is always busy doing. We just have to find what's the right avenue for it. Right. What made me think of this question is that you know I have these lunch and learns with public school students and there was one group that I just gave up because I learned each one of the students only had a Jewish father. And I'm like, you know, I just you know I have to, I have to prioritize my time. Yes. So you know that made me wonder um, should we be focusing just as much on Kirov just maybe you know maybe in the young professional arena I mean, how, how do we adapt to these you know so, so we have to sit down every so you have an organization you have a general you have a general perspective that your tafkid includes Kirov so at the end of a year you have to ask yourself where what's the trend like you said you prioritize these kids you're learning with are not kids that are priority they are non-jewish and they they you know they, they have their own zai mitzvahs and that's fine but you need this is a way to put your energy and and where you're most effective in Allah of saving people on shabbos or whatever or simply in general there's the halachas about people who are more who are in greater danger, and then there's also a lot of people that are easier to save. Somebody that you have a much better chance of saving. So when you try arjing, and it's wartime, and you have to make quick decisions, one of them is this person has a 90% chance of recovery. If you if you intervene now, this person has a 40% chance of recovery. So you go with 90. We have to look at those places where um, where we seem to feel to be effective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A different topic that gets a lot of attention, and I remember this being brought up at the Agoda Convention, and um, uh, the topic of anti-Semitism. Yes, it's a very hot topic. Um, I was just listening to a very interesting um, roundtable um, discussion on anti-Semitism by Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, and he brought in someone more on the right and someone more on the left, and they had this interesting conversation, and they all made this point, and, and something that I appreciate very much is that. You know, how long have the Jewish people been around for, right? So that amount of time, there's always, right? Halacha biyadua, Esau, Senele Yaakov, right? If you were to take a step back, when have when have the uh, the Jews had it the best? It's today. Yes. But anti-Semitism somehow is still a very hot topic. Is there right. truth to that? What should be the relationship between us and anti-Semitism? I would say... It's more painful. Let me let, let, let me let let me give a marshal. When you're walking into um, a pool that you expect it to be cold, you know it's not been heated and it's cold. So you stiffen up, you put in a little finger, a little bit, and you sort of slowly you br you brace yourself and and walk in, or a pool that's too hot. Either one. But if you think that you're walking into this perfect temperature and it's cold, the shock really, mm -hmm. really makes you real. Um, the, you know, the, because we didn't expect 
we, we, we thought, no, it can't be anti-Semitism. America is so, so politically correct, and everything is wonderful and great. Mm-hmm. When it hits that it's still alive, we're shocked. Mm-hmm. In Poland, where my mother grew up, or in Lithuania, where my father grew up, anti-Semitism was normal. So we, 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 we might have suffered more in an absolute way, but on a personal level, that's what do you expect, kind of. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's hitting us a lot more. We, we, it's hard to come to grips with the fact that it's not... You, 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 can, you can make laws, but you can't eradicate feelings of people. Um, we also are used to... The, a Jew did not think of himself as a Pollock or a Lithuanian. So the fact that the society didn't accept you, you know, it, it didn't bother you emotionally, internally. We grew up thinking of ourselves as Americans, and the fact that, that quote-unquote, real red-blood Americans don't um, see us as Americans is bothersome. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of sensitivity to it. And there's also, it, it, there's a lack of proportion. Mm-hmm. So, okay, like, like someone told me, okay, they, they said in Germany in 1930, they also said nothing's going to happen. Whoa. Like, what's the, what's the, what's the comparison? Uh, you know, yes, people didn't think because it was incredible, everything, but, but you're talking about a decade of laws and a government going from, from bad to terrible to horrendous to unthinkable. Is it like that? You know, I, I mean, people somehow lose any sense of rational, do we know we know nothing? We're not Nevi'im and we're not Nevi'im. But using a seichel, Okay, you know, you need to make some some logical um, evaluation, and also you always have to know. I, I believe also being judicious about when you're protesting and when you're not. At mm. the end of the day, muscling your way into things is creates resentment. You have to pick and choose which battles you you you're going to fight and which not. Which one are you going to make a tumult and which one not. Uh, it takes seichel for that, and and uh, people tend to come hot-headed. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Needs a lot of guidance. Yes, a lot of political astuteness and guidance, and a feeling for what's... Uh... You know, something that shook the Cleveland community a couple of weeks ago, and, and, you know, in Columbus, you know, we we felt that just a couple hundred miles, uh, 200 mi- uh, less than 200 yeah. miles away, um, was the very tragic petir on ki- uh, of, of Ben Chefetz in Baruch Taub, who, Rahman al-Litzlan. Um, I'm pausing a little bit because I actually got a copy of the text messages that they sent their wife as they knew, and it was just heart, it was just gut-wrenching. Like, I, after I read the text, I couldn't talk to anyone. You know, I had to really compose myself. It was just so hard. Um, the idea, the concept of tzaddik viraloi, rasha v'tovloi, you know, why bad things happen to good people has been a conversation for a very long time. Today, we live in a, you know, in a world of tremendous hester upon him. Um, you know, strengthening our emuna is very, very important and very, very difficult. Um, a lot of the emuna discussions have become about hashgacha pratis, divine providence, and stories how everything's going to be okay, and if you're this, da, 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 da. How do we, you know, in a snapshot, obviously it's very complex, but when we think the word emuna, what should we be thinking? When we think of emuna in tragedy, what should we be thinking? When we think about emuna and hashgacha pratis, what should we be thinking? So, I, I think 
and and the understanding that the world is divided into the areas that were partners, which means we have to think about it, we have to try to understand it. Torah, halacha, we we're the ones who pass them with our understanding. Things that we can understand, and um, we need we we're obligated to understand. Then we need to understand there comes a point where that's it. There is no understanding. And that's where Muna starts. And Muna means the understanding that there is something there. And I do not understand. I recently, we had sort of a, a personal loss in the family. There was a boy who had come from Israel 10 years ago. And um, he was 15 at the time, with two weeks left to live. And... Um, also, a lot of different ashkachas. Something worked. It pushed it off another two years. Then something else came in, and for ten years he had pretty much a life. He spent most a lot of time here, and then he went back to Israel. He was able to work and to be to his family and this and that. Um, he um, it, 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 a little bit less than a year ago, it came back with a vengeance. He very much pushed to get everything possible, every treatment. And he was nifted about a month and a half ago, and he was 25. And, um, you know, we so it's something he'd been part of our lives for 10 years. And I wrote to the parents, so, you know, I tried to write a few words of Nechumim and so on. And I said, Akadosh Baruch Hu took out the prophet Yechezkel to a valley of dead bones, dry dead bones. And he asked Yecheskel, um, do you think these bones are going to live? And Yecheskel looked and looked, and he said, I'm, I'm adding these words, I don't know. What it says is, Atayadata, only you know. In other words, there's no way I can see any life coming back to these bones. They're dried, this is a valley of death, and I don't, I, it's not something I can any way even begin to feel it. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him the prophecy, the famous prophecy of, you know, Atechanat Elu, and he made it Tchias So I wrote that where, where, human, where people throw up their hands and say we don't understand, that's where Mason begins. Mason is not a rational process. It's not a process we can even fathom. And it makes no difference. It has nothing to do with school. It's nothing to do with sitkas. It has nothing to do with anything. People need to understand we come to a point, if like Moshe Rabbeinu, the real revelation to Moshe Rabbeinu was when he covered his eyes and he said, I can't look. We need to understand. And that's why we, we have this mania that we need to explain everything. Gematrius and Mises and so on. We need to understand that we need to use our brains up to a certain point as much as we can. That's our obligation. And then we come to a point and we say, Adkan, I don't understand. And that's where you are. And the, the Muna is, Hashem is there. Um, I, uh, uh, the Pasuk says, Gam salmoves, lo Even when I walk in the valley of death, I'm not scared of evil. Because you're with me. So, an image that comes to me is when an adult comes in, when an adult enters a hospital for treatment, 
and the difficult treatments, he's afraid, he's, just, he's not terrified because he knows what's happening. When a child, Lohaleinu, has to be taken to hospital, um, he's terrified that the words don't mean anything to him and, 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 and everything, there's nothing, it doesn't make any sense to him, it just, it just, it just hurt, pain. When he's holding on to his father's hand, he still doesn't understand, but he knows that someone does understand and he's holding mm -hmm. on a hand. Mm -hmm. That's the way our life is a big, a big circle with some understood and a lot not understood. And then, and then we go weiter. And having that balance, that's where Muna comes in. Ad Khan, you know, what I, what I, I try to understand, what I can understand. And from this point onwards, I need to say, it's not, it's not for naught. It's not meaningless. Atay Madi means someone's walking me through this valley of death. Mm -hmm. It has rhyme, it has reason. I don't need to understand. And that's a Muna. And, and, and I think if, if we'll be able to stand, we'll have a different sense of things. Where ho someone's holding our hand. Yes, yeah, someone's holding and someone knows. Someone is taking us through this. It's not, it's not an accident. Someone is taking us through this. Why? There's no way I can know. It doesn't fit into any of my brains. Someday we'll have a different type of understanding, but, but we don't. On a related uh, topic, there's nothing as um, heavy as a good dose of Jewish guilt. And sometimes when we're in a situation that could be a tremendous nisayon, anytime there's tremendous hardship, one could look at it as a nisayon, or maybe it's an einish, maybe it's a punishment, maybe it's because of their own actions. Um, is there a way for one to know? Which, how should they deal with these two conflicting ideas? Or are they conflicting? I don't think they're conflicting. I think, I think we, we, need, we need to be careful not to invent stuff like this is a punishment for something that I didn't do people have a, a, a way of doing that but I think a, a person need an event like this Lolenu, we, we should use it as an opportunity to say stuff you know our life is measured Bez Hashem it will it will you know it, it'll be measured out in full but life is measured it's given it's measured Am I making the best use of my time? Is it something that, you know, life is serious. It's not frivolous. You can't kill time. You can't waste time. There's a famous old Jewish story that I remembered as a child hearing that a Rav once chanced upon his Balabatim sitting and playing cards. And they were a little bit taken aback and they said, um, we're just killing time. <laughs> so they said, Rabbi said, there was a meeting in Europe that when somebody was sick, they would say, tell them, and then people would donate years of life. Like, you know, I'm donating in three months of my life. And anyway, it's, it, was, it, was, it was a minute like that, like saying, tell them. So everybody said, when somebody's sick and dying, everybody is, is standing up and donating life to the person, and you're sitting and killing time? Like, like how you talking? I, I think it's something that sh should sober us up and say, we're here in this world for a purpose. I need to keep asking myself. Am I, am I fulfilling it? Mm -hmm. My final question. Yes. And then I'll, pref I'll preface the question. A, a couple episodes ago, we had the uh, unique opportunity to fulfill the, uh, the statement of Chazal, Chachma Bagayim Tamin. We were very fortunate to interview um, Dr. Luen Fan, who's the chair of the, of the Department of uh, 
behavioral health and psychiatry at the Ohio State University. And a very, very wise gentleman um, who was born to parents and grandparents who fought, you know, were war veterans and he was exposed to PTSD. And he talks a lot about resiliency, right. how to build resiliency. Right. And, and life's uh, trials and tribulations are escapable, but how we could mentally um, strengthen ourselves to bounce back, not survive, but to thrive in the right. face of adversity. And it was some very interesting, we had a very interesting conversation about very that. Nice. Um, one of the things that he mentioned was the power of hope. Um, the clinical trials about people that were suffering from whatever it was, let's say anxiety or depression, and they randomized the entire group, and some got the drug that they were testing, and some got placebo, a sugar pill. And it turns out, it was, the drug was effective, but somewhere between 20, 30, and even as much as 40% of the people that took the sugar pill felt better. And his point was, don't think that those people weren't suffering. His point was, no, there's actually something real to the power of hope. Yes. There's something real, you know, there's something there. Um, as a concluding message, um, Gullis is, uh, you know, is tough. Yeah. Can the Rashiva give us a message of hope? So, I think the, we are fortunate that our hope is in someone that is true. In other words, um, it's not a placebo. It's Lishuascha Kivisi Hashem, the Chazal. There's a beautiful, uh, a, a tremendous Chazal that says, All we have left is hope. It says, when Yaakov Venus, he thought Shimshon would be Mashiach. And when Shimshon was being killed, he said, This one also. I have nothing left but kivui means hope. I think what we need to bear in mind, and I guess this would be a continuation of what we said before. Akashbroch has taken us through Gullus. He did not abandon us to Gullus. <coughs> Whatever it is, the process of clearing Kalyusrol, cleaning Kalyusrol, and bringing out the best in Kalyusrol by challenging them. Whatever is happening, it, it's it it he's it's, we're we're on a conveyor belt, and he's running the belt. So, so the hope that we're talking about is, it's the it's not that Kachbaka might save us. The reason why he's bothering to put us through all it is because he needs us to be the way we have to be for for the, for the end of it. And um, in the Golas itself is where you have the understanding of the Gula. Akash wouldn't just put through so much pain for no reason. The reason is it it, it has a tachlis, and and I guess that's that's where our, that's where our tikkun is. It's not just a, a mindless hope. It, it it's a hope built on our very understanding of what Akash Baruch is and what is. I want to thank the Rashiva for uh, being so generous with our time. And it's really amazing. I really hope I, I, you know, I was there for a short visit, but a very, very, um, very, very positive impressions of uh, Columbus, and especially you know, Shimon is, uh, is very close and uh, got to know you a little bit. So, a lot of atzlocha for Hashem. To listen to all Kolot episodes and see upcoming guests, visit kolopodcast.com. We are also on all podcast players. Type in Kolot on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, and Amazon. 
Share with your friends and please make sure to give us a five-star review. Kolot is a project of the Columbus Community Kolel, a full-time Jewish learning center in Bexley, staffed with high-caliber Torah scholars. Ever since 1995, boys, girls, men and women from all backgrounds and affiliations have found many opportunities to connect with Torah and mitzvot at the Kolel. Whether it's a study partner, an engaging lesson, or a program, the Kolel is your one-stop shop for all your Jewish learning. If you want to know how you can benefit from the Kolel, visit thekolel.org. That is T-H-E-K-O-L-L-E-L dot org and forever be inspired.